Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here in this place. Father, we thank you. The Hebrew writer says, and I say again, we come boldly before your throne of grace. As Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible says that there was a mighty earthquake and the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And there was a time when only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. But now, Lord, we can go. Not just once a year, but Lord, we can go anytime we're ready. Anytime we feel the Spirit calling. Anytime we have a question of thought. Anytime we have a burden. Anytime that Abba Father is on our hearts. Lead us to the rock. Lead me to the rock when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel overjoyed. So, Lord, we thank you on today. We thank you. We thank you on today, Lord, that we come into your presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and into his courts with praise. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for meeting us here today. For no matter what has transpired on this week or even what happened on this morning, you are here, you've met us, carried us through praise and worship, and we thank you for there is a word from heaven on today for me and for everyone under the sound of my voice. That it's not me speaking, I'm just a vessel. But it's your word, Father. It is your word that is speaking by your spirit on today in Jesus' name. And I pray right now, and I speak it into existence. That it is falling, it's being sown through the ear gates onto fertile ground, and it shall bring forth fruit in due season. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> I just want to take a, a slight detour. <clears throat> Psalms 138, verse 2. Psalms 138, verse 2. And for those of you who are watching online, Psalms 138, verse 2, and it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, it says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name 
for your loving kindness and your truth. And this is the part that I love. It says, for you have magnified your word above your name. You have magnified your word above your name. And so what does that mean? It means that God says, if I said it, you can take it to the bank. Because some people, if they say they're going to do it, then trust me. You don't have to ask them. You know, we say, are you going to do that for me? You're going to pick me up from work? It's like, yeah. And other people, it's like, you said that last time, and I know what happened. What are you doing home already? I called me an Uber, because your word doesn't mean that much to me. But God says, I esteem my word even above my name, because he has given us a name that is above every name, that at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. But he says, I put my word, my word even above my name. My word. Hallelujah. So we want to thank every one of you that is watching us online. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching us on today. I want to extend a very heartfelt thank you on behalf of Pastor Wendy and myself. For those of you that participated on our uh, food pantry on yesterday, it was a fabulous event. A fabulous event. Hallelujah. And we ask for those of you who have given to us, either here in the building or online, we've asked you to connect with us, um, whether you gave to us through the church app or given us through, through the building or coming into the building, you helped to make this happen. Over 50 families were blessed through our food pantry. When you're giving to us, you're not giving to Pastor Wendy and I, you're not helping to build a monumental building, and we're not against great uh, uh, buildings that seat thousands and thousands of people. We're not against that. But we're saying we're trying to reach a community. People are having food insecurities, and they're trying to decide, do I put gas in my car? Do I feed my kids? You know, what do I do? But we want to take a little bit of burden off of some people by saying, look, here are a few groceries. That'll help tie you over for maybe a few days or maybe even a week, depending on how you spend it. So we even had uh, one young lady who came in who was just passing through. Thanks to. Um, uh, um, <laughs> Sister Dorothy, <laughs> by the way, um, had a friend come in from out of town and she just passing through and she even helped out. But you helped to make it happen through your offering. So we ask that you connect with us in whatever way you feel led possible. And again, uh, I went to a 7-Eleven across the street and told her, told the uh, cashier, uh, if anyone needs a food basket, and what did this woman do? She actually gave me a donation, a donation to help towards our next pantry or uh, food drive. So again, we had a fabulous time, but you again helped to make it happen. So thank you all so much. So moving forward, we've already prayed and the Lord has already blessed. So we're going to continue on as we're wrapping up. We're going to go maybe two, no more than three weeks on our extreme makeover. The home edition. Because this is the temple. This is the temple and this is our home. Because we're not going to get another body, not here on earth. 
We're not going to get another body, so we're going to work on the home edition. So let's go back to the book of Nehemiah. Now, the, the book of Nehemiah, and we know it talks about building or rebuilding of this wall. But this is not a do-it-yourself book about how to rebuild your fence around your house. That's not what the book of Nehemiah is for. This book is about rebuilding and repairing. Rebuilding and repairing. But what is it rebuilding and repairing? God uses analogies and he uses these examples in the Bible for analogies and to apply them to our modern day life. Again, if you're wondering how to uh, rebuild your kitchen or maybe you want to redo your bathroom, don't go to the book of Nehemiah. Go to Home Depot. You can do it. They can help. Amen. Amen. But don't go to the book of Nehemiah. But let's look at a few examples of how we can apply Nehemiah to our modern day life. And I'm telling you, uh, Pastor Wendy and I are doing our sermon prep. She said, don't try to fit all of this into one Sunday. And um, she really helped me because of some things that were going on. But let me tell you, I've come to realize that I need help. I really need some help. And I hate to tell y'all, but y'all need some help too. Okay. <laughs> don't tell them that I told you. And don't look at the people on this side. They need help too. Okay. But we all need help, right? Everyone in this room. And if you say, I don't have any problems, live long enough. Trouble will find you. I was so disgusted because I got my per last year, 2019. My car broke down. I bought a truck. I made one payment on the truck. Guess what? Got in an accident. The insurance company told my truck out. So I bought another truck. I own personal property taxes on three vehicles in one year. And I didn't drive all three of them at the same time. So when I got my personal property taxes this year, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's going to go down a few dollars. But guess what? It went up about $130. I didn't go looking for trouble. Trouble found me. But if you live long enough, trouble will find you. If not trouble, difficult times. It may not be trouble, but difficult times will find you. And things will happen in your life that are beyond your control. And you're going to need help. You're going to need help, whether it's own knowledge that you have gained yourself, whether you look to Google or other means or other resources, or maybe it's friends and family or other people that you know that know more about a subject than you do. You are going to need help. I know I've had to reach out to pastors and friends and co-workers. Hey, um, I've got a tree in my yard and needs cutting down. Who can help me? I can't do this by myself. I need help. But what we don't need, what we don't need is another moral compass. We don't need another moral compass to point us in the right direction. Because why? Why? Good question, brother. Because there are so many moral compasses that change from day to day to week to week. Back in the 50s, before I was born, 
There was a show called and we're talking, we're celebrating Pentecost and we're talking about our father. But back in the 50s, there was a show that ran for about six seasons called what? Father Knows Best. Y'all remember that show? Some of y'all, they run reruns if you if you look for it. But I used to like that show. It was about a husband, Robert Young, and his wife, Jane Wyatt, had two daughters and a son. Average, typical lifestyle. That show ran for about six seasons, but it was just typical lifestyle. No big things, you know, son throws a rock, breaks a window, son, how are you going to pay for it? Just small kind of problems. And it was simple comedy, but nothing great. Lasted for about six seasons, but that was in the 50s. But since 2010, up until the present time, we go from one husband and one wife to now we have sister wives, one man with four wives and 18 children. So that our moral compass has gone from this point to this far extreme point. And we say, huh? But guess what? That show has been running from six seasons for Father Knows Best. That show has been running for 15 seasons. Oh, I ain't watching that. Ain't, well, somebody's watching it. Because I told Pastor Wendy, I came, I came in the room the other day and I was like, babe, I said, Maybe I got some, some bad news for you. I don't want to start the day off, bro. And she said, what's wrong, baby? I said, they're canceling your show. <laughs> <laughs> because face it, it boils down to ratings. It doesn't matter about truths. It's not about principle. It's about ratings. And if the ratings aren't good, they don't they don't care about if it's truth. If it's fact or fiction, it's about ratings. And if people aren't watching your show, it's like, man, that's good. That's good. It's about ratings. One man with. Four wives, and I'm telling you, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. This man done found something. I don't know what he done found. And I'm just being totally honest. Pastor Wendy and I are getting to know each other on a whole nother level now. I don't know how you get to know four women anywhere. And when polled, and I don't know who they asked, but when polled, this show, and let's just say they used, they, they, uh, they uh, uh, surveyed a thousand people. This show has a 74% rating. 74% of the people that they surveyed like this show. We know that fear is a normal emotion, isn't it? It doesn't come from God because the Bible tells us that for God has not what? Given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. But how many of us have ever been afraid of something? Maybe you were afraid because of a sound or an action or thunder and lightning. It's okay to be afraid. I've been afraid at times. But something's wrong if you're naked and afraid. (laughs) 
<laughs> Outside. <laughs> but that show has been running for 12 seasons. And it's not about the morality of it. It's, guess what? It's the ratings. It's the ratings. It's, again, it's that moral compass. It's the moral compass. So let's not talk about morality and TV shows. Because back in the days, they used to call it the electronic babysitter. You don't want to deal with your kids, you send them in front of the TV set. And then you walk past, it's like, whoa, what you watching? What you watching? It's that moral compass. And again, this show, Naked and Afraid, has a 90% approval rate. 90% of the people who, who they surveyed like that show. Naked and Afraid. People flock to these type of shows, and when you ask them, they say, oh, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. Right? There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's just entertainment. And you ask them, it's like, oh, you watching that? Oh, no, 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 it's just on. It's just, you, you're in their house, and it's like, oh, you watching that show? Oh, no, 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 the TV's just on. No, you watching it. Because it was just on the last time I was over here. But let's look and see what the Bible says about these things. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. And again, all of my scriptures. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter which version of the Bible, and I'll get to this in a moment. I read from New King James Version. But I like what uh, the late uh, Apostle Frederick Price says. You can read any version you like, and you may read from a different version. But guess what? We're all going to end up at the same place. All right? But he says this, Paul says this, who knowing the righteousness, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to do the same, but who approve of those who practice them. So we say, oh, well, look at those people in the wood running around. Look at that man who got four wives and 18 kids. But guess what? When we watch those shows, we approve of those people who do. We're saying it's OK. Because I don't I don't know, because they say like with the Nielsen ratings and however they do it now, they used to say that there was a device that they put on your TV and now they know you're watching. it. But now we know even with your phones, they know where you are. They know what you're doing. Cookies. Yes. OK, so anyway. So they, they know where they, they know where your toes are now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so so we they know how long and however long, whether or not you stay on there three seconds or four seconds or a half hour, they know what you're watching. And so evidently, you know, you might and and, and face it, you can watch the, the last 15 minutes of one show and walk away. And all of a sudden, it stays on this next show, whatever that show may be. And guess what? It automatically thinks that you love that show because guess what? It's been watching it the whole time you've been in the next room cooking dinner. So we have to be careful because the world thinks you approve of these kind of things. And it's just one of those things. I'm not putting anybody, 
you know, casting stones, casting shade. But we have to be careful about our moral compass. We have to be careful of what we call moral versus what? What the word of God says. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. Now, I'm not against what morality says. Because good morals and good values, what our parents taught us, like I told the story about, you know, opening the door for Pastor Wendy, because that was a, a value and a moral that my dad taught me. I'm not against morals and values, but those morals and values will not get me into heaven. But I look back to those things to help get me from day to day and to keep a warm plate of food on the table. <laughs> Some of that will get to y'all. All right. But it's those kind of things that help us from day to day. But what does the word of God have to say about it? We can't point the fingers at other people. But when we look at these things in totality and we've gotten away from what we know is wholesome and what we know is good. And I'm not just talking about TV because Pastor Wendy and I, we watch our fair share of TV. We're not going to sit here and think that we don't have cable, we don't have fire stick. Yeah, we watch our fair show, our fair share of TV as well. But when we talk about the morality of the lifestyle that we as who say that we are children of God, who fall underneath the blood, even with COVID, we are the church, and I'm saying this as a whole, it's just like the children of Israel coming out of the desert. Now that we, we're on the backside of COVID, we've gotten our vaccines and, and they're relaxing the whole thing about the mask. We've come out of the desert. We've come out of COVID. And now we're saying the same thing as children of Israel said. Guess what? We don't need God. That's what the church is saying. We've come out of COVID and we survived it. Never mind the 500,000 people who have died. Never mind what's happening over in India because they relaxed their standards. But we're saying, I came out of it. It didn't kill me. I don't need God. We will always, always need God. It's the mercies. It's only mercy that kept us from what we deserve. And it's grace that's giving us what we don't deserve. As I said before, it's these things, these morals and these values. And, and don't get me wrong. What your parents taught you, what your brothers and sisters taught you, what your aunts and uncles and all that. Always go back to those things until you prove and your lifestyle and things you learn teach you better. But we look at the word of God and we know that, as I said before, there's King James, New King James, NIV, New Living Translation, Amplified Message. You find a translation or you use several translations, but they're all going to get you back to the same place. You find the one that works best for you. But as you read the word of God, you're saying, well, Lord, why is that in your word? What does that have to do with me? What does that, how does that apply to my life today? 
You look in the Old Testament and you'll see, you know, this person got begat, this person, this begat. Who's a, what's a begat? What's a, what's a begat? What's a be, that means that person had a baby or they came from that. All right. Y'all understand that? So we have that long lineage. So that just tells you that you, we come from a long line of folks. Amen. And then we think about all the sacrifices that they used to have to do. You know, uh, turtle doves and the goats and, and the way they used to have to smear the blood. And now what do we have to do? We just have to take a moment. We can just be sitting in our car at a traffic light and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Because the blood. I don't have to take a monkey behind my shed and, and do all those other kind. And we, they didn't sacrifice monkeys. But you know, y'all know what I'm saying? We don't have to do all of those things. But even in the New Testament, only Matthew and Luke record any lineage leading up to Jesus. But I want to give you all a homework assignment, not to report to me. But look, I want you to look up Mark. I'm not going to go into any detail. Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52. It says, now a certain young man followed him. And this is after Jesus' arrest having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him and left the linen cloth, and he fled them naked. Now, that's right in the middle of Jesus being arrested. And it's like, Lord, but why would you put that in the Bible? There are so many things in the Bible, but we ask, Lord, but why did you put them in there? Study to show yourself approved. God has a reason for everything that is in his word. But to answer your question, why are these things in the Bible? Second Timothy chapter. Three, verse 16. The Bible says, and I'm not going to read all of this, it says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That's why it's in the Bible. Where did it come from? All scripture is given by God. Well, why is it in there? Because God wanted you to know where you came from. God wanted you to know, just like we, we read about um, um, in February, Black History Month. And we think about all the things that, you know, African-Americans went through. But not only just African-Americans, but Asian-Americans, Native Americans, European-Americans. All of the people that helped to make this country what it is. But as Christians, as believers, we come from a long lineage of people. And all of this is right here in the word of God. And there's so much more than what's between these pages, between Genesis and Revelations. Because the Bible even tells us in John chapter 21, I believe it says, and these things that Jesus did, if even they were written out, the world could not contain. So there's more to it than just this. But I don't want to get into all of that. If it were not for the word of God. This world would not even be as good a shape as it is. And why do I say that? Because people have taken parts of the word of God and used it for their own benefit. 
How many of you have ever heard say, okay, keep it up. Karma's going to get you. Or they use another term, but I can't say it in church. Karma is a, oh, y'all fill in the blank. All right. But where does karma come from? world takes it. I believe it's Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's what karma is. You reap what you sow. We've turned it around and we've said what goes around comes around. What comes around goes around. It's the same principle. We've just taken a godly principle and said and put it in one word, karma. So the way we live and people know it, people know it. You can be the most hateful, despiteful person there ever is. But if you sow a seed, a financial seed, God has to honor his word. Drug dealers know this principle. A drug dealer will go into a homeless shelter and give them $100 knowing that the word of God has to be honored. Because what did I read earlier? That God said, I must esteem my word even above my name. And God says, I don't like what you're doing. I love you. I don't like what you're doing. But because my word says I will honor it, guess what? I'll give you back what you gave. So I'm going to go over my first point, and that's all I'm going to do on today. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3, because we're talking about the extreme makeover. That was a long introduction, but we're going to talk about Nehemiah chapter, uh, rebuilding the wall. And again, let's go, let's remember what Nehemiah has been called to do, to go to Jerusalem and rebuild this wall. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 3. When you're there, say, I have it. All right. Good. Thank you. And for those of you that are watching online. Then Elishia, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built it. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Hanel. Next to Elishib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. And the sons of, let me read off this screen if you all don't mind. These words are a little small. Verse 3. Okay. Verse 3. And then the son of Hesinah um, built the fish gate and laid its beams and hung its doors with bolts and bars. And next to them, Miramoth, the son of Urijah, and the son of Koz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshul- Meshulam, 
I'm a big stickler for pronouncing people's names correctly, y'all, so y'all forgive me. The son of Bereshem, the son of Mesh, y'all excuse me, I practice these at home, I promise you. Meshal Selzbel made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Banah, made repairs. And next to them, Tikoites made repairs. But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. And I'm not going to repeat those. <laughs> right. So my first point is this. Point number one is you have to know when it's time to make repairs or to replace. In your life, you have to know when it's time to make repairs or to replace. Now, again, we're not talking about your kitchen or your bathroom or your garage. This is not a self-help improvement, home improvement book. This is about things that we're dealing with in our lives. Y'all with me? Now, certain materials, and I do want to deal with the natural, certain materials like wood. There are wood beams in this wall. If one of those beams, these wooden two-by-fours, was broke off, it was rotten, you can't just add another two-by-four to it and try to make it work. You have to take that two-by-four completely out and put another one in its place. Stone, on the other hand, you can actually add to it. You just have to shave off the other piece and add more to it. But say, for example, if you have a lawnmower. The lawnmower, the spark plug, is, is starting to get, get a little corroded. Well, you take the lawnmower and you take the old spark plug out. You find a new one. You gap it. You put it in there. Start it up. It works fine. But then the carburetor starts getting a little corroded. Well, you take the carburetor out. Maybe you put something in there, a little carburetor cleaner, or maybe you uh, change the gasoline. But then you let your... You let somebody borrow your lawnmower and you find out that they left it out in the in the uh, in the yard all summer long. Now your your lawnmower is rusted out. But there comes a point when you have to decide, am I going to keep putting money into this lawnmower or do I need to go and buy me another one? Just like our cars, how much money are you going to put into it if you decide that it's not worth keeping anymore? So we have to know, is it worth replacing or do we need to repair it one of the ways that we make repairs when it comes to ourselves is through our communications one of the ways that we repair and one of the best ways we make repairs is through our communication how many of you know the queen of england or at least seen her all right a little known fact, and Pastor Wendy t shared this with me probably about a year ago, but I researched it again. When the Queen of England, if there is a major event and she is the host, when she is bored and she's ready for that event to be over with, 
Because you see the Queen of England, she's always, I mean, she is always dressed to the hilt, right? When she is like, okay, I'm ready for this whole thing to be over with, she takes her purse and she puts it on top of the table. That's her way of telling everybody in or to tell her entourage, excuse me, that, hey, it's time to cut this thing off. When she's ready to say, hey, I'm bored and I'm ready to go, she takes and put her purse on the floor. If she's walking along and you stop and you're having a conversation with her, if she takes her purse off of one arm and puts it on the other, it's her way of telling her entourage, hey, intervene between me and this person because I'm bored. I don't want to talk to them anymore. And if for some reason she's in a place that she can't put her purse on the floor or can't switch it from one arm to the other, she takes and she twists her ring, her wedding band. Through verbal and nonverbal communication, you can get to know other people. And you know certain words that you say or certain conversations that you can get in with other people. You know that if you say certain words, it keys them off. And you know, man, I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. But how do we re, re, uh, repair or replace certain things? And when I talk about relationships, I'm not just talking about husband and wives. I'm not just talking about men and women. How many times have you gotten that conversation with a person and they say, you know, some I am so sick and tired of going to the certain certain place. And man, the food is always jacked up. And it's like, why do you keep going there? Because they're so close to the house. Well, then just go a few more blocks and go to the other place. Because I'm tired of you telling me about how bad the food is. It's time to what? Replace. And see, these are the types of principles that are in the Bible. Repair and replace. Repair and replace. But then... There are some times in a relationship that you can't repair and you can't replace. And sometimes you have to know when you simply have to say, I love you, and just walk away. You're saying, what? You mean, I'm a child of God? I'm a born-again believer? Uh, Romans, 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 yeah, Romans, chapter 12, verse 18. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, that was verse 17. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But you're telling me to, to walk away from people? And I say that to say this. Um, I have a daughter, 32 years old. She lives in another state. And for several years, I believed a lie. I believed a lie because I failed. I walked away from a relationship, and it wasn't because of my daughter. 
But I believed a lie that I wasn't good enough to be her father. The, the problem was between me and her mother. But the problem wasn't between me and her mother. The problem was between my ears. I'm not casting shade on anyone else. I take full responsibility. But I would go in the park. I would go in the grocery store and I would look and I would see men with with their daughters. And I'm like, man, I want a relationship with my daughter. But fear, doubt and unbelief, thoughts, ideas, suggestions like, but I'm not good enough to be her dad. Because of the things that I had done, the struggles that I was having. So every now and then I would reach out to her. And there would be these short conversations and it was awkward for both of us. So fast forward, my daughter's 32 years old. And this, this went on for years. So about two weeks ago, her and I had a conversation. And she called me. I was at work. I'm making deliveries. And she called me and she said, Dad, you know, we had a talk about two weeks or about two weeks before that. We had a conversation. And she's like, do you really want this relationship? Do you want this relationship to work? And I said, yes. I said, I've been through a lot and I've made a lot of bad decisions. She said, do you really want this relationship? I said, more than anything. She's like, okay. So about two weeks later, she called me. And I was like, wow, this is the phone call I've been waiting for. So I had text her and say, hey, I'm letting you know I haven't forgot about you. So she called me when I was at work. And I'm like, yeah, this is the phone call I've been waiting for. And you know what she told me? She said, Dad, it's too late. It's too late. You had your chance. But you have to think about when it's, whether it's time to repair or it's time to replace. Now, whose fault was that? Do I blame my dad for the way he raised me? Do I blame the leadership of the church because they didn't take me and show me how to be a man? No, I had the word of God. But it's, it's people, it's, it's people that we listen to. Remember the moral compass I told you about? It's because we don't rely on the word of God. And I'm not putting anybody down, but we listen to people like Dr. Phil. We asking, are y'all have fix my life? We listen to people like Oprah, and I'm not saying don't listen to them. I'm saying, but what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? And if we're not putting God first, you're going to end up, I promise you, at some point, you're going to end up in a position like I did. And somebody's going to tell you it's too late. I've been with this company for 14 years now. And y'all going to fire me? Yeah, because you didn't follow the rules. You kept thinking it was okay to leave 20 minutes early every day. You think you're such a hard worker? But guess what? You set a bad example for all the other people. I've been doing all this other work and you're stealing too. But what does the word of God, what does the word of God say? Do all things as unto the Lord. And Jesus said what? Give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give unto God what belongs to God. Jesus didn't steal no ink pens, but we think it's okay to steal pens. It's a government pen. The government got plenty of ink pens. 
But I'm telling you, that was the most, I'm telling you, y'all, that had to be one of the most hurtful things. I love my wife, and the Bible says that we are as one. But that was my own flesh and blood that basically said, I don't, I don't want to have anything else to do with you. But we have to know that there's a time to repair and a time to replace. We have to keep those lines of communication open. And it's between one another. But first of all, it has to start with our relationship with God. Something told me I shouldn't have done. You know, it ain't something. It's somebody. And that somebody is who we are celebrating on the day. His name, we refer to him as Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit told you don't go down that street because the traffic was backed up. Holy Spirit said, you know something you should have called before you came because they closed early on Tuesday. Holy Spirit told you you shouldn't have ate that last night because it was too late. That's why your stomach is upset. We keep saying something told me, something told me. Holy Spirit has been talking to us all of our lives, even before we got saved. And I apologize, y'all. The title of my message <laughs> is, this includes me. How many times have we been to church and we hear a message and we say, man, you should have been in church because the pastor talked about you today. <laughs> but this includes me. This includes me. And I want to say this uh, as I get ready to close, close out. Also in chapter 3, verse 27. Chapter 3, verse 27. If I can get that scripture up. And it says, after them, the Tekoites repaired. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. Let me go. Let me go back to this. I know I said one thing. But notice in verses one through five, verses one through five, it says that they built. Excuse me. Let me get verse one, Pastor Wendy, or excuse me. Verse one. It says that they built. It's saying, notice that they built the sheep gate. And then it says they built as far as the Tower of 100. Verse 2, it says they built at Jericho. But then also it goes down and it says that how they made repairs. We have to know when we can make the repairs, but also there's time that we build. All right. But then I want to go back to 3 and 27. I apologize to the audiovisual crew. But in 3 and 27, it says, after them, the Tekoites repaired another section. 
next to the great projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. Verse 28, beyond the horse gate, they made, the priests made repairs, each one in front of his own house. Some people have it together, and I'm not going to say they have it all together. But some people have it together better than others. And some, it's a work in progress. But we have to know when it's time to do for our own house first. Now, you may not have it all together before you help somebody else. But make sure that before, like Jesus said, before you try to get the speck out your brother's eye, get the beam out your own. And that doesn't mean that you don't, again, it doesn't mean that, you, that we don't have faults. But let's just make sure that, you know, we're walking the best that we can, the best we know how. Because people are always going to cast shade back at you. Well, I saw you do. Okay, yes, I know I have my faults too. I'm just trying to help you out. All right? So having said that, you all, I pray and I believe that you are here in the building and those who are watching online that you uh, got something out of this on today. Um, as I said before, I need help. Um, and again, I'm not talking about something that happened five or ten years ago. You know, this phone call I got, and I, trust me, you know, I, I told my daughter, I said, you have a different name now. <laughs> you know, you live in a different state. You have your own lifestyle. You are who you are. You are a grown woman. You don't need my advice on your money, your career, because whatever she does, she's going from one career to the next career and progressing and progressing and progressing. And I'm like, I'm proud of you. There's nothing I can tell you. But I am not upset at you at your choice because what, you, what happened to you was not your fault. And I will always love you. But what happened was on me. But what what I just what I just told and shared with you wasn't something that happened 10 years ago, five years ago. This happened like two weeks ago. So when I made the statement at the beginning of my message that we need help. I stand in that line first. That I need help. I'm need in need of repair. Because I'm just as prone to make bad decisions as anyone else. There is no more Jesus, no more Holy Ghost in me than there is in you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, I, I believe God has sown a word into all of us on today. And uh, God is going to bless. God is going to bless in each and every one of our lives. So for those of you who are watching, again, there is something to be received, and we know that you have received on today. So we're just going to take a moment to bow our heads in prayer and thank God for what he's done and what he's going to do for you um, 
throughout the remainder of this week until we see you again. Heavenly Father, we thank and we praise you for what you have done. We thank you that you call those things that be not as though they were. And your word has never and will never fail. And many of your commands and many of your promises are yet to be fulfilled. But we're waiting, Father. We'll not be weary in our well-doing. But on today, we thank you for everyone that's viewed, everyone who has attended these services. And for everyone, Lord, under the sound of my voice who does not know you as Lord and Savior, we pray now that wherever they are, that they make that confession, that they say, Lord, come into my heart. I need you now. I've made mistakes. And there's some things that I've done that I don't feel comfortable telling anyone about. But I can tell you because you won't tell anyone else. So, Lord, I'm asking you, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. So thank you, Father, for blessing us with this service. Thank you for your presence and your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. So we thank everyone for joining us today. Um, We want to, um, I want to give a special thanks to um, Sister Kathy because um, she really <laughs> was the glue for praise and worship on today. Amen. Um, we thank God for, um, and I'm um, not good with names on the day for our sister um, joining us in the service who's looking down. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again on today. Um, God is so good. Um, this was not a Pentecostal message, but it's a day that we always celebrate. Um, but we want to celebrate God every day. But we can always say, Lord, fill, fill me again. Holy Spirit, fill me again. We ask that you prepare your hearts as we worship is not something that we just do with music playing and words on the wall, but giving is an act of worship. As I said, you know, in the Old Testament, they sacrifice animals as an act of worship. We don't have to do that, but we can do it through our tithe and our offerings. If you like me, um, I love it because when I get paid, I try to, like I get paid every week. I love it because I can give my first fruits before I even go put gas in my car. I can pull out my phone and I can give, you know, return my tithe unto God. Before I take my honey out on, on our date night, I pay my tithe. I give it back to God. And that's just, that's my personal conviction. I know with social distancing, um, 
we have not had an altar call like we used to in a long time. Does anyone have any prayer requests? You don't have to get up. You can just raise your hand. Again, thank everyone for yesterday. Even for those that um, Brother Ray, who was who met us here on Thursday to uh, help unpack the trailer. Was it Wednesday? Yeah. Who helped unpack the trailer. Um. <laughs> Give already? Pastor Wendy? Okay. So we'll bless the offering and give our benediction all at once. Um, so, Father, we thank you uh, for blessing your word. We thank you for blessing those who give. Lord, let it be you, Father, that we think of when we rise, that we think of through the day. Bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. Lord, I will acknowledge you at all times. I will think of you at all times. I will meditate on you at all times. Lord, in all that we have, every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. And we want to return to you and give unto you heartily and cheerfully. Bless it and use it for the building of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we ask that your anointing be upon us. Let the angels of God be camped round about us, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Consider yourself dismissed. <laughs>